We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jose Altuve has a broken hand. We've got a big injury in the uh, Arizona dealing with a catcher, and we have a couple other big news items, plus Towers results and a preview of the NFBC coming up on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you by the good friends at Underdog and Fantrax. I'm Jeff Erickson. He's the man in front of the doorknob, Fred Zinke. How's it going, Fred? I'm good. There's so much to talk about today here in the middle of draft season and uh, and with all this spring training news that now has a huge impact on opening day. Yeah, and we're, we're seeing lots of stuff too. There'll be some big items uh, that we're going to be talking about right you know that we'll talk about off the top, but... Like, read the player news right now, because there's all yeah. sorts of job battles being decided, all sorts of little notes that we, you know, under the fire hose, we start to miss uh, a little bit there. There's a reason why, like, news and notes columns uh, are so popular this time of year, why someone like, uh, you know, mining the news with Jeff Zimmerman is so good. Uh, you know, stuff like that is really important because there's so much to go through. We'll go with the big ticket item, though, first. Uh, on Saturday, Jose Altuve suffered a broken, broken hand after getting hit by a Daniel Bard pitch in the WBC. He's already had surgery. Uh, he's going to be out. They're ter- they haven't determined the amount of time he's out uh, because it's still, you know, he's still waiting for the swelling to go down. But typically, we see the, this lasting, you know, eight to ten weeks in some cases. Uh, I, sent my, I, I saw some people say six to eight. I've seen eight to ten. I kind of went eight, but I should probably, I don't know, maybe eight was a little too, a little too generous. I don't know. I, I was trying to, I've been trying to do some Altuve projections and then also building in because we know he's going to be out for a while, uh, building in some replacement level player time for, I I went with two thirds a season of Altuve and one third a season of a replacement level player. Let's say a, a Joey Wendell type uh player in your middle infield spot so um and then trying to figure out where he lands from there maybe i'm starting to wonder if maybe i was a little optimistic like maybe i shouldn't give altuve his full altuve-ness when he first comes back right like i don't know because he's one of the more consistent producers in fantasy baseball over the last few years he is but you know there's a year where the stolen bases went away you know i don't think they will here but maybe it affects how he slides it's totally possible. You're right. And actually the stolen bases went away for more than a year. Like in 2019, he stole six, the shortened season, he stole two, the next season he stole five. And then last year it pumped back up to 18. So uh, yeah. So I, I, I agree. If there's a, 
you know, I mean, you could be conservative with the steals projection. You could also be conservative with the power projection a little bit since he's coming sure. back from a hand injury. So that's where I feel like maybe right now I'm a little high and I need to downgrade him a little bit, like obviously leaving the two months of Joey Wendell, but maybe I, I pull like another Homer or steal or two off the four months of Altuve pull away a few runs and a few RBIs pull down the batting average, just a few points or something. So sure. anyways, that's kind of where I'm at right now and trying to see where he fits in comparison to NFBC, ADP. So I'm just taking a quick look here in the main event so far. His ADP is 107. That's with him going 30th in one of the drafts, which obviously would heavily pull that number up. And multiple drafts on Saturday in the main event. Right. True. Just, so if you just do starting just on Sunday, Sunday, yeah. Um, he's 199. Okay. Uh, and that's a range of 176 to 233. So that's pretty representative of where he's going to go. Are you, where are you on yeah. that range? I'm in, I think I'm in. Okay. I, th- I think I'm in at that range. Like when I start to look at the hitters that are available then, um, yeah, like 170s, that felt pretty right for me. So like, like pick 180 is the end of round 12. So if I could get 12 players and then draft Altuve or 11 players and then draft Altuve, um i think that i think that feels pretty fair i wonder if i there's like in the main event because people are swinging for the fences if now his upside is capped a bit if people like i wonder in a mono league if maybe he'd go a little higher i'm not really sure so say for example uh thyro estrada in overall in the main is a 169 Mm -hmm. uh altuve or estrada uh I mean, I'm kind of down on Estrada, so that's probably okay. a tough comparison. But because the answer is neither for that price for me. Jake Cronenworth. I I I'd probably go Cronenworth. Uh, I'd expect to be at the lower end uh, end of the Altuve range. Okay. I mean, his average pick is 199. Uh, so looking at a little closer to that, Whit Merrifield at 193. Yeah. Uh, yeah, or I got Cronenworth at 196. This is all mains. Cronenworth 196, okay. Merrifield 200, Cattell Marte 201. Yeah. Uh, so. Those are the guys around him, and if you go at his max, which is two thirty three, you add you add in Jorge Polanco, who already has his own negative injury news yeah. as well, and Josh Rojas, who has some playing. Those are the second baseman that he's around. Uh I thought I'd actually be a little bit more pessimistic on Altuve for the around, but those players that we're mentioning around there, the only one that I'm like clearly ahead on is is Cronenworth, and I think probably Cattell Marte. Yeah, I, I, in that gap in the early 200s, I also see Gene Segura in all mains. He's 218. Jeff McNeil's 222. Um, I think I'll take Altuve over most of them. I agree with you that Cronenworth is a debate. I'm not usually the Marte guy. He tends to miss a fair amount of time himself. Sure, um, that's fair. But yeah, anyways, I think Altuve, where he's going in the mains, I think that's I think that's pretty fair. And I do understand, though, in a big contest like that, like the odds of Altuve beating his timeline back by any significant amount is, I think, really unlikely. Right. Right. Like the odds of him getting back in five weeks or something, I think, is really unlikely. I think you're right about that. Yeah. Like this just doesn't seem like it's not like a pulled hamstring where they're saying it's six to eight weeks. But then and it probably will be six to eight weeks. But at least there's a chance that maybe, oh, in three weeks, he's feeling better than they thought. He's progressing quickly. Like. You know, as Scott Pianowski says, injury optimism is not your friend. Um, right. I think I should downgrade him a bit. And I think at that point, he'll come in right around Cronenworth and maybe around Marte, too. So I think I think the main event drafters have pivoted 
of course they did, but I think they've pivoted really intelligently on the fly. Yeah. So the other question I have to ask is what does that do to the second base pool? Uh, there weren't that many of them at the top to begin with, right? I mean, it, so yep. Semyon, Jazz, Ozzy Albies, does it push up someone like Tommy Edmond or Andres Jimenez to uh, push him up closer to that next tier? Yeah, so the second base pool is interesting because I do feel like it has a pretty large floor. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not a bad position to just wait on. And then you can just draft, like we just named a bunch of players that are all kind of serviceable, whether it was Jeff McNeil or Gene Segura or something like that. Um like you can go even further down Luis Arias, Bryson Stott. These are later round picks, Colton Wong. Um, I feel like there's a lot, like, I don't, I don't feel that much pressure to get a good second baseman. If I get one, that's great. Um, but there, I think there's a lot of options late and I love shortstop this year. So you only need one second baseman. Right. Uh, Miguel Vargas is going to have second base, um, you know, in no time. So I think, th- I think I, I, the only thing that hurts the second baseball, I think is maybe the cumulative loss of Altuve may probably Polanco for some amount of time, maybe Polanco for some amount of time and Von Grissom. Sure. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, let's talk a little Von Grissom because that's the other big news item is he just got sent down. Uh, he was expected to win the shortstop job, or at least some people expect him to win the shortstop job. He is definitely getting drafted as such, but he got sent down and so did, and so did uh, Br- uh, Brendan Shoemake. Uh, who was a, another highly touted prospect. It was thought to be one or the other. Instead, it's Orlando Arcia as the starter. Is this a uh, is this a temporary thing, or is this just for right now? Is it a contract thing? What's your take on this situation? Yeah, so I actually have the misfortune of having drafted Grissom in one league late last week, which I'm obviously regretting right now. I forget what round I took him in. I say round like 13 or something like that. Um and I had been against him all year, all draft season. I was like, oh, he's just too risky, too risky. And then I finally bought in right at the wrong time. Um, I saw some people say, like, you have to drop him now. It's an NFBC league. I don't think I'm going to drop him. I think I'm going to hold him for a bit. Like, offensively, he's a really excellent player. Like, he last was having year, a good spring offensively. Right. Too. And so th- I think there's no question about the bat. Like, last year in the minors, 96 games. 14 homers, 27 steals. He hit 324. Like his career minor league batting average is 315. He's a really good offensive player. Maybe the Braves just give him three or four weeks in the minors just to play shortstop a fair amount. And then obviously RC is probably going to play poorly. Like he'll field fine, but he'll probably hit poorly. And then Grissom's back up. I just feel like if we stash prospects, like if I'm drafting today, I'm not drafting Grissom very high and maybe i'm not going to draft him at all i don't know i think but I, at least consider it like like we like we do stash prospects who might be up a month into the season and right if you're going to stash one why not him it doesn't have to be someone like matt mervis who hasn't played in the majors yet like it can be grissom who's already shown a little bit at least that he can hit in the majors right i think if you already draft him like in your case you hold on to him i think um, so. i don't draft him now though right i don't draft a stash i try not, not even to. last round eh Maybe, but um, I, I injuries happen all the time. Setbacks happen all the yep. time. Uh, I, I there are certain players I'll draft a stash, but I'd rather not. I did, you know, I I thought I was so smart drafting uh, you know, Fernando Tatis later than everybody else in the main, and I got zero at bats out of them. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes that's with prospects too. Sometimes you get stud prospects and they get and they they rake right away, and that's worth it. But I think there's a, plenty of other counter examples of when it's not worth it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's possible for sure. And it's possible, I guess, that Grissom doesn't get the next promotion, even if they need someone. But yeah, I just could think be Shoemaker for that it matter. could be. It could be. There's just a lot because Grissom's healthy. Um, you know, Arcia could get hurt. Ozzy Albies could get hurt. That happened last year. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like the Braves could have, have maybe even an injury somewhere else. And Grissom goes into the outfield and get his bat in the lineup. There's just a few ways that he could get back up and, uh, and we, maybe he fields well at shortstop for a couple of weeks and they just go with him. Yeah. Star so. Platinum says uh, that Steve Phillips said they're trying to humble him, that he's got a big ease, a big ego. ego. Well, it's possible. Uh, how does that, you know, if that's the case, it could be lo- longer than we thought, you know? Yeah. The only thing I'll say about that, I mean, I'm sure Steve Phillips said that um, and maybe that's possible. Maybe he did at at spring training this year they did kind of it's weird they kind of proclaimed that Grissom was going to be there not that he was going to be their shortstop but they really I felt like the Braves going into spring training really were high on Grissom like they didn't really pump the brakes on this until just the past week like up until then the Braves like going into spring training it's it was Grissom's the leading candidate to be the shortstop so maybe if they felt like he had developed an ego then they're doing this now but I got to think throughout the off season, if they felt like he had an ego, they would have pumped the brakes on this sooner. And yeah, all off season, it would have been like, no, 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 no. He will try him, but it's probably going to be Arcia. I did feel like the Braves, it's weird. All this is a weird one for me. Like I felt, and I don't think Grissom was that big of a disaster in, at shortstop in spring training. Like maybe he wasn't great, but I don't know. It could just be an example of them saying, we just want him a few weeks in the minors in real games. Yeah, and then he stopped. I, I, maybe this is me being hopeful because I've already drafted him in one league. But, yeah, I, I think that's yeah. fair. I'm trying to yeah. see real quick if I have him anywhere there. I don't think I do. Uh, no, I don't. Um, I, I wasn't necessarily against him, although I will say Mark Bowman had a report way back in January or February. He's for the MLB.com saying that it was a possibility that uh, Grissom could be, could begin the year in the minors with uh arcia there and they also have adrianza who they don't want to like they would have to cut adrianza he went he, he doesn't have any options left you sometimes see stuff like that that lasts a couple of weeks and it's some bs and then uh, oh wait we can't lose adrianza oh wait we've got a guy that's hitting 220 starting at shortstop for us yeah this is the, the same Adri- adrianza who's over 30 and has a career 663 ops can't lose that guy no can't uh, no. so mark Bowman was uh, one of the people who actually made me come around because he was hesitant on Grissom before spring training. Yes. And he just wrote, he just wrote an article two or three weeks ago saying, fine guys, I'm on board. Grissom Grissom's good. I'm on board. And then I was like, okay, if he's one over Mark who I've been reading and you have two for uh, forever, like I said, okay, if he's one over Mark, I'm in like, really cool power speed combo in the middle rounds. But yeah. anyways, it didn't work out early. And I do think defense still... is a legitimate issue too. Absolutely. But, yeah. I mean, it's the, it's super hyper important defensive position more so with the strip with the uh, shift restrictions. Yep. For sure. For sure. So uh, yeah, I just, I, I didn't think he was that big of a disaster at spring training defensively. They knew going into spring training, that he wouldn't be a great defensive. I think, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where this all goes from here. Yeah. All right, BZA, RZA, GZA must have been reading our show sheet because uh, he asked the next question that we're going to be talking about, and that is, what's our Soto concern level with the mild oblique strain? Picking six in his home league, uh, and him and Jordan, both with questions, were his targets. Good question. What is your level of concern, Fred Zinke? Uh, Minimal, but enough to move him to the back of a group. So I would say, so first of all, without knowing 
the home league. If it was a roto league, I wouldn't have been interested in Soto sixth before the injury. If it's a points league, that would be different because of all yeah. the walks. Um, and he did mention Jordan in there too. So I'm wondering if maybe it is a points league. If it's a roto league, I wouldn't have been interested in either of the two of them at six anyways. So I feel like Soto, I was kind of assessing this because I have another draft tomorrow night where I'm picking 11th. Um, where Soto would be kind of roughly in play, if not for the injury. He might be there, he might not be. If he was there, I might want him. I feel like he's in a group with, you know, Vlad, uh, Mookie Betts. Um, maybe you put Freddie Freeman in that group, depending on how I like Freddie Freeman, so i put him in that group. Some people wouldn't. Uh, maybe you put Manny in that group if you really like him. I feel like he's kind of in that group of players who don't go in the top six. That seems to be the top five, and then often Kyle Tucker. And maybe Otani gets in there around six, seven, but then he's like in the next group where he could go like kind of anywhere between about seven and 12 or seven and 13. Mm -hmm. I think maybe this injury is enough for me to put him at the back of that group and make him more of a turn pick in a 15 team league. How, how do you feel about that? Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm drafting nine and 22 on Saturday in uh, the NFBC main event. So I won't take him at nine. I know that, uh, it puts someone like Vlad more in play. Uh, the only thing yeah. is, an and oblique, you know, oblique strain can be considered mild and day to day, and then it can take a month after that. We've seen that happen copious times. We've also seen it be a day to day thing. So, and so, then like three days later, he's fine. So, at least it happened early in the week this week. So, by Friday, Saturday, I'll have a better feel. Yeah, that's it. That's what I was about to say. If he hasn't played by Saturday, then you're probably not taking him even at. 22 correct especially the way hitters are falling in the main event so as they just, always do yeah right so looking at that overall main event adp from the from the nine drafts so far like at 22 is pete alonzo mike trout's after that devers is after that goldschmidt's after that i'll just take one of those guys over soto unless soto's back and if soto played thursday and friday or something like that um then he's not going to be there at 22 Yep. So, so I'd say you're probably just where you are. You're probably out on him, anyways. Probably so. It's more the people probably picking like 11th through 15th who would have to, if he's back, have to decide if they take him in the first round. If he doesn't come back by the weekend, it'll be more the people maybe picking early in the draft who would take him. Would right. they take him more around the two three turn? 11 to 15 gets to make that decision twice. So, uh, yeah, I think if you're 11 to 15, if you're not comfortable taking them in the first round, you don't take them in the second round. Jason, like, uh, Wanick says, keep talking about those main event plans. Uh, he's drafting in my league, but he's drafting second. <laughs> so, uh, hopefully I won't be, uh, we won't be sniping each other too much, but, uh, so yeah, I won't funny. make you, we're going to talk a little main event later, but I won't make you give away too much. Yeah. I'll give you the entire plans. Yeah. All right. One other news item to hit right before we started the podcast here is, uh, Carson Kelly suffered a major injury uh, and he's going to be out for an indefinite period of time. Uh, fractured forearm is the injury. Uh, obviously it, Gabriel Moreno is the player that is uh, going to benefit more in playing time, but he was already going to probably play a little bit more than Kelly anyhow. So uh, it, it's funny. I tweeted out that I just did another video uh, with Alan Soslowski talking about possible league winners. And I touted Moreno because he was going to pick two thirty last weekend in main events. That ADP is going to go out the window, regardless of how much you think he's going to increase his playing time. It's definitely going up. It's cost the Gabriel Moreno business has just gotten more expensive. That's absolutely. In fact, if you were maybe if you, I don't know, it's hard to say. I was going to say if you were a fan of 
Moreno, maybe this isn't good news because you're going to have to pay up for him more. For sure. um, and I don't know what the ceiling is with him. So, okay. So back to just the original, I did feel like him and Kelly would be a fairly 50, 50 split before the injury. And then Moreno, maybe over time, which maybe even in the first couple of months would start to wrestle a little more playing time away. Uh, now I think Moreno could come out with 70% playing time right from the beginning Maybe even more than that. This guy, like I watched this guy in Toronto, like he's an athlete as a catcher. Like he's a good athletic catcher. Like he, he could, he could play a lot. He could handle that. Um, so obviously like when I adjust, I'm going to adjust my projections tonight for him. He's going to move up just purely on volume. I'm going to increase the at-bats. He's a batting average helper, not yep. a herder. So that's going to make him more valuable alone. I'm going to give him a few more runs in RBIs. The big thing with Moreno is, is like, what's the power going to be? Like last year, right. he's played 62 games in the minors and only hit three home runs. And then he only hit one in his trial with the Blue Jays. Um, his career high in the minors is 12 in 2019. Um, yeah, I just, even if he played 70% of their games this year, I don't know if he's ready to hit more than like 10 home runs, 12 home runs. I think that's about, which is still okay. So I just don't know how much, if he's ready to go any more than that. Long-term, right. I still really like him. I'm just not sure this year. How about him versus Kybert Ruiz? I'm over, I, I, I'm more on Moreno than Ruiz probably to begin with. Okay. Uh yeah, I, I'd say I, I think I yeah I, I think I would be ahead of him. I'm, I'm gonna take this is one where I want to take a look at the ADPs. I know Ruiz so, just got paid, which is good for him, but yeah. So I picked Ruiz because um, so far in the mains, Moreno's two thirty, Ruiz is one ninety nine. Right. So there's like a two round difference, uh, and there's some similarities there. Like Ruiz uh, probably should benefit. He's a player. One of the players who profiles is probably being able to benefit at least somewhat from the shift ban this year. Right. Um, or shift limitations, as I prefer to call it, because you can still move around, just not as much as you as as you did last year. You can still shift around a bit. But anyways, um, so his batting average should be okay. He's always profiled. Maurice did Ruiz did through the minors as a high average guy. He does steal a few bases, not a lot, but a few. And Moreno will do that too. Um, and neither one of them have much power. So right. So far, so I kind of yeah. So that was kind of my thinking is that there's some comparables there. I would have taken Ruiz previously over Moreno just based on, I think Ruiz is going to have a heavy workload and Moreno wasn't, but now I think maybe I would take Moreno over him. And the, and, and like I said, like the skill sets are pretty comparable. If I climb any higher than that on the catcher ADP list, it's Cal Rowley, who's just like a totally different kind of player. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't know if you're really debating the two of those, like you're either looking for power or you're not. Right. When you're drafting Cal Rally. And then it goes way up after that, all the way to Tyler Stevenson, and we're inside of pick 150. Right. Um, so. Yeah. I don't think it goes. I don't, I don't think Moreno deserves to go that high. I would take Raleigh over him. I think, I think it's only going to jump like five, three catcher spots, basically. Yeah. Uh, so maybe know, he I, jumps two or, two or three rounds. Yeah. He doesn't reach Raleigh or Stevenson, but I think he passes uh, Ruiz, Ruiz and Danny Jansen. Yeah. I think that's about it for me. Uh, yeah, we'll a I gave him a 5% increase in playing time. Okay. And there's a bit of a shiny new toy thing with Moreno where, yeah. right? Like he's played in the majors, but not a lot. He's still got that pri- prospect status from last season. For sure. Ruiz, ha- Ruiz was all of those things a couple of years ago. We just are coming off kind of a lame season for him. It also kind of depends on how I built my roster already at that point in time too. It might be that I took t- had already taken an early catcher, in which case I'm not going to, probably not going to take a second early catcher. 
Okay. Uh, but I mean, it, it, I'm not ruling I'm it out. I could pull a Zinke, a labor Zinke, and get two out of my first five picks at catcher. But I probably I did won't. two. I did two out of four in a well, recent NFC. Let's draft. give it credit there. Yeah, proper credit deserves because you did him at the four or five turn. That's right. right. Two yeah. out of four. Like I have done the Real Muto Sal Perez thing in two leagues uh, already this year. We'll see how it works out. Um, I don't mind the pure value draft draft rankings and projections wise. We'll see what the risk factors like and how it plays. Would out. you do but, that in a main? Yeah, for sure. I would. Okay. I would be okay with that because we know that if a catcher. Like if people are, if you're talking a main in the sense of like trying to, like trying to go for upside, um, yeah, I would, I would be fine with doing that because we know if a catcher goes off, like he finishes really high in the final, like if Sal Perez could hit 34 home runs this year, forget the, the 48, like if he could hit 34, which is in his wheelhouse easily, um, he could end up being like a top 20 overall hitter. So yeah, I would do that. I don't think of catchers as like, as like not having a ceiling. Like, I think they're, I think that these guys, Real Muto could hit 300 with 25 home runs. And all of a sudden he's a top 15 fantasy hitter. So I think, yeah. I think there's a ceiling there. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Before I move on and talk uh, talent wars, let's take care of a little bit of business. First of all, our ads as always are on the blue wire network. I should say our podcast on the blue wire network. Here's a couple of their ads. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thank you for your indulgence there, and thanks to the Blue Wire Network. Always happy to be on there. Uh, secondly, let's uh, share a little love for Underdog. The fantasy baseball season is underway, and there's no better place to play than Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy baseball. Right now, Underdog has MLB Best Ball Tournaments live, including the Dinger, which has $500,000 in total prizes. In Best Ball, all you do is join a contest, draft your team, and that's it. There are no answers, there are no waivers, no trades, and no in-season management. Draft 20 rounds of players, get the best cumulative scores in your starting lineup. Three pitchers, three infielders, three outfielders, and one flex each week of the regular season. Getting started is simple. Go to underdogfantasy.com, sign up with promo code RWMLB, and not only will Underdog double your initial deposit up to $100, but you'll also get six months of our RotoWire subscription for free. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy, promo code RWMLB. Draft your $100,000 Dinger team today for and get get started on that. It's a great deal. All right. It's we did Tout Wars this past weekend. Uh I did the AL version of uh, that. Let, let's go ahead and start covering a little bit of that because I thought it was a fun draft, very interesting draft. I'm going to go ahead and put up the, the uh, results on the screen so people can see it themselves. Uh so we'll get that going here, but uh yeah, here we go. And you can kind of see uh, what we did here on this one here. But uh, 
it was it's an ale only auction first of all so keep that in mind uh and we'll uh, talk a little bit more about the we'll talk about the my individual results in a second but i want to start off because last year doug dennis won our league and he did a very aggressive plan that worked out. Mike Gianella tried it the year before, came up a little short. But Tout Wars does not have an innings minimum requirement, meaning you can punt starting pitching. It's been always been my contention. Yeah, you can go ahead and try to do that. Good luck to you. But you're giving up two categories out of 10 strikeouts and wins. You have to be perfect to win on the other eight categories. Well, guess what? Doug Dennis was perfect, almost perfect. He's one point off uh, on whip. But he, he won ERA, he won saves, he won every single hitting category. And not only that, but he in four of the five hitting categories, he blew away the competition. It wasn't even close. So he won by nine points and he was winning most of the season. You know, so is this something that we had, you know, I, the whole question for everybody is, what do you do about this? Have an innings limit. I think you should probably have an innings limit. No, no, no. I, I, I <laughs> Well, no, because I think that's garbage. I mean, it's it's strategy. We have to combat the strategy, not outlaw it. We're not baseball here where we change the rules and we don't like a certain result. We have to actually try to, you know, know, know the rules and try to combat it. That's the way I see it. Yeah, I mean, you could go either way. I, I would want to set up my league so that starting pitchers are important like they are in baseball. But you're right. Like the old Laura Michaels, tell me the rules, I'll play the game. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So okay. So let's let's forget that as an option. So Doug went back, obviously went back to the well this year and invested heavily in pitching, or sorry, heavily in hitting and and somewhat in relief pitching and not at all in starting pitching. And yeah. um I'm scrolling up you, so people can see the uh Doug's Doug's pitching roster there. Yeah. So he spent sixty four dollars, which is actually three dollars more than last year on pitching, because his his High high skills relievers cost slightly more this year. Yeah, and he definitely took some high skilled relievers, taking Anthony Munoz and Paul Sewald and Yuan Duran. Like 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 those being the ones that I don't know if Scott Barlow counts as a highly skilled reliever. Like his ratios are fine; they're not awesome. Um, he can sometimes have a high whip, but um, what I find noteworthy is. I don't know if people to people didn't totally copy him, but as you noted in your article, it's up on RotoWire. About a thousand, you said about a thousand extra dollars was spent on. No, that can't be right on hitting this year. No, no, no. it was no, uh, it was more like sixty extra dollars were spent on. Hitting. Oh, okay, okay. Did I? I maybe oh. I, I got a. I'll I'll re I'll look at it. Uh, no, no, no. You're right. You're right. I'm reading the budget numbers. You're right. Only about 60 extra dollars were spent, which is still something in a 12. It's like a point and a half percent higher on uh, yeah. hitting. Actually, so that's an adjustment per person or so, which, yeah. which matters. Um, so yeah. So a couple managers, Mike Podhorzer and who was the other one? Kind of, they did a different plan, but they did get on board with a Andy Andres also got on board with spending very little on pitching. Although they For were sure. different. They they actually drafted starting pitchers. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing is like Andy did all upside. Uh, and we can, oh, I can show everybody that. Yeah. He spent 47 bucks on pitching though. Uh, it's pretty wild. Jacob DeGrom for 20. Uh, Tyler Glass now for 11. Got the discount on Glass now. Mm -hmm. uh, threw in a Corey Kluber. Uh, Tanner Houck may or may not start. Still not that much on starting pitching. Still went, but you know, he has Karen Chak, Abreu, Nerys. Liam Hendricks, hoping that he uh, comes back at some point. Low Isaac, interesting about to me is he doesn't have a set closer right no. now. He he could get very few saves. Um, and, and I think if you do, also if, it will be hard, and he will not probably do well in wins. And that's the thing. It's like uh, that's the thing. I I had a 
an issue with Andy's team is because I think Andy has a great team. Otherwise lots of upside, sure. but the lack of volume and starting pitchers, you better get saves. Um, yeah. Like you can see Doug's plan is really clear in the sense of he knows who he is. And he, so I often punted saves in tout and my, and I did the opposite of Doug where like, I definitely didn't draft anyone who could get saves. I did draft some middle relievers who were sure. good ratios, but, but I didn't go near saves. Like Doug doesn't, toy around with this there aren't any starters on the list and um and he makes sure his relievers in his opinion are are skilled ones who will have good ratios so i i could see where doug could get burned on this one this year like he should get pretty much all the mariners saves um but he may not get them all like diego castillo will probably get a few the mariners do mix and match a bit um the the questions for doug i think that might in the bullpen and that'll decide things you know, is Barlow for sure the Royals closer? And does he hold that role all year, not get traded? Um, they don't use the as Chapman at all as the closer. And then Duran, like how do the twins use him? Duran could get anything from a good amount of saves. I don't think he can get 30, but he could get 20. Or he could get like five and just be pitching. You maybe gets a hundred strikeouts and five saves. Right. So I think, and, but Doug needs the saves based on his, his plan for this. He year. Like, does, but I think the elegant part of his plan is it doesn't have to go perfectly. Every single pitcher on his staff is a reliever and could get some saves. Like he drafted Clay Holmes for a buck last year, knowing that he liked the skills. Yep. Hey, you got 20 plus saves from him. And you know, a lot of wins. He got a lot of goodies out of that. That was a, that was a big, big pick for him. Um, And you know, he's, he's got, countless guys like that you know whether you know i he, he had munoz and seawald last year i think i mean he had barlow and seawald on the draft and i think he picked up munoz so and he also had joan duran who may not close games may close games may close like a third of them or two-thirds of them we don't know but like martin brash bummer kelly Mar- marcy Inacio, maybe one of those actually gets some saves too i mean clay holmes is not exactly set as the yankees closer this year no i agree and the the combination of, uh, I think Clay Holmes is pretty set, but I know what you mean. I think the combination, though, back to Doug of Bummer and Kelly, like I, you can see where he's going there. They don't have a closer to start the season. Right. He as picks long up as five they, here, five there. That's yeah, huge. Yeah. That, that's, you can see where he, where he's going with that whole thing. I think if I was in Doug's shoes, I might have skipped, I don't know. I might have, I don't know. Duran's really good. I was going to say, I might, like, I might have made Brash and Chris Martin or Brass and Marinaccio. I might've got rid of them and made them $1 guys taking the 15 I spent on Barlow and gone up and got more of a real closer Kenley Jansen or. So or, or I, I, but. I'm going to slightly disagree because I don't think Roldis Chapman is that big of a risk uh, is a, that big of a threat. Right. You think he's got two closers between the Mariners and the Royals. Yeah, I think he does. And an opportunity to pick up other saves here and there. Uh, I understand the possibility. I mean, they did sign Chapman. Maybe they'll feel like, okay, we can, get some saves out of him and flip them yeah, at the deadline. Him. Yeah. Yep. But I don't think he's that pitcher anymore. No, I don't, no, me either. I don't believe in him. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that being said, even without him last year, they didn't go like heavy on saves with Barlow. Like they, they also have still... a new manager. Yep. You're right. That could, that could change things too. But that sure. it, it could be for better or for worse, I suppose. Although I think it's harder to be worse than it was with under Matheny. So, because mm-hmm. Matheny was pretty notorious about not, uh, discussing, uh, you know, who his closer was. So before we move, we'll show, go back to show the hitters here. You mentioned uh, when we were putting together the outline, you thought the closer prices were kind of high. And so I'll just go through some of these and people can get their own judgment here. Uh, Ryan Presley went for 23. Peter Fairbanks, 16. 
Um, I bought two closers. I bought Kenley Jansen and Felix Bautista for 19 each. Clay Holmes went for 17. Uh, trying to think, uh, look at, see some of the others here. Alex Lang went only for nine. So that's the cheap version. Same with Jose Leclerc for nine. Mike Podhorzer went the discount rate with closers. Uh, look at it. You know, Joe Sheehan never pays for closer. So, you know, you can, I don't see an obvious one on his roster. Uh, Diego Castillo for about could work out. We'll see. Um, Emmanuel Classe went for 23. Same price as Presley. Actually, if you compare it, like if, if that's the top of the market, 23 is actually okay. I'm okay with it. Really good. Yeah. Um, uh, Jordan Romano went for 22. Uh, and we already t- discussed Andy doesn't have a full-time closer right now. So you thought those prices were relatively expensive. So actually my take on the closers was not just your auction. It was throughout the auctions. So right. if I just, that's what I figured over, as much. Actually. Yeah. So if I just pivot over to the mixed league, um, we see some pretty pricey, like Ryan Presley, 18, um, Romano, 20, Hater 21, um, Rizal Iglesias, 18. I guess that's not too bad. And then the national league, I felt like they were definitely, priced up like a glacius for 23 i love a glacius i have them on almost every team but 23 is a lot hater for 24 david bednar 19 um and i, I just feel like they're high helsley for 23 i'm sure the people so, who, who who bought all these each of in these camilla duvall 18 like i felt like like all these individuals could be like well camilla duvall 18 makes sense if ryan helsley's 23 and i get that um i just felt like the prices on the closers were pretty high. And, and I haven't done a Towers auction in two years, but I've done a lot of them. And I, so I have a pretty good frame of reference for what closers went for before. But I think this you is did just the 15 a, team auction too, right? You didn't do the I 12. Did. Yeah. There's I did know I did team head to head, which is a little different in that league naturally de- devalues closers to the yeah. point where we instituted a rule that everybody had to roster two relief pitchers. Right. Didn't have to be closers, but you had to roster two at, at on your active roster at all times. So, yeah. So a little did, different. But. Yeah, I did the 15 for a lot of years, and then I did do the NL for two years. Um, and those are the most recent for me as far as auctions go. Yeah, I just, so I think what this is, though, is it's a product of – I mean, we talked during draft season. Everybody says this, that there's about 10 relievers, maybe not even mm-hmm. now that Diaz is out. There's about 10 relievers, and they want one of them, right? I want to save – I want to save's anchor. I want, I want one of those 10 really, – it's about 10, depending on how you feel about Clay Holmes right. or Duvall – or Helsley or whatever, but people say, I want one of them. So now that it, we're down to like such a small amount where everybody wants, not everybody, but most people want one of them. And I one of them's gone already in Diaz too. Right. Keep so I think that's, what's pushing these prices up. I just feel like across the board, they're like two or $3 a pitcher more than they were. I think the class a prices are, are pretty fair. I think everything else is two or three more dollars than it was a few years ago. And by a few, I even mean like three years ago. Um, but I think it's just that it's just supply and demand and people saying like, I want one of them. And that seems to be every, whenever, when I listen to a lot of podcasts, that seems to be everybody's philosophy. I want at least one of the, one of this one saves anchor. And then I'll mess around with, with the, um, Paul Seawalds of the world. So that's what I think is driving the price up. I think you're right about that. I think that's true. And I think, uh, that's kind of what brunch was uh, suggesting is like how few teams have the guy close it. it. It's not even just, it's gotten that way the last three or four years. It's not just this year. Uh, it's been a consistent trend. Yeah. There, and, and it's, it, it, sorry, go ahead. I just say it's, it's a function of, I mean, this year's pool is a little different. Like the Dodgers don't have a set guy this year. 
Yep. In fact, they, you know, we didn't talk about that, but you know, a lot of people have speculated the, the, the guy that leads the Dodgers and close and saves this year. Isn't even on their roster. Maybe so Daniel Hudson's going to begin the year on the IL, but they, they, they seem very hesitant, very reticent in declaring like Evan Phillips to be that guy, despite him being so good of a pitcher. Yeah, for sure. I was in, so Phillips is someone who I was interested in the whole draft season. Thought I would have multiple shares by now. I actually have none. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. I think he's their best reliever, but I, I think they know that and they're okay with using them other ways. I sure. think they could be a committee for a while. Uh, something I was going to say about this is, so it's like, you look at, you look at it and you're like, Oh, like, like Emmanuel class a, like on the two, three turn, for example, just jump back to drafts. Like that's ridiculous. But then if he was going I, last year with the top two yep. closers. Though. And when I was going to say, when I look at in the main event, when I look at Rizel Iglesias on the three, four turn, like at that point, it, it, Devin Williams in the middle of round four, um, I'm sure if I scroll up a bit, I'm going to find Hater in the middle of round three. Yep, there he is. So you're like, oh, Emmanuel Class A, that's such terrible value. Like on the two, three turn, I could be getting Paul Goldschmidt instead. Well, you know what? When it comes back to you on the next turn, the, <laughs> the way the closers are going, there's so few of them. You're going to be staring at only a couple left and you're still going to have Kyle Schwarber available. So maybe you just take Class A and Schwarber instead of taking Paul Goldschmidt, and now you're you're crossing your fingers to a closer. Right, then you're looking at Presley and Helsey at the uh, – no, that's that's not the, that's the – That's actually the – They're gone. No, yeah. that's the 3-4 turn. I'm ta- I'm sorry, you're right. Yeah. Um, you're looking at Batista's Kenley Jansen, Doval. Jansen, yep. Um, so maybe and, you just get Class A, and then you just take the hitter that falls to you. Well, so the thing is, we all know our spots, and we'll get back to – we're going to get back to Tout in a second, but for the NFBC – you, you know where your uh, your draft slot is. So mm-hmm. have a closer plan. Just yep. lock, you know, you don't have to lock it in, but you have to know like, okay, if I don't go closer here, what are my alternatives? When do I need to act? You really got to know that. Um, and maybe you push up. If you, you're going the, the alternative route, you might want to push up those alternatives because other people might be doing the same. And then, you know, unless you feel like you have six guys you can choose from in the eighth round. Okay, great. Then do that. But if you feel like there's only one guy in the eighth round, you might pitch him up to the seventh. Eighth round, that's right. And that's where I can see some people saying, "You know what? I'll just get poor value in the second round or the third round, and just get the guy I really like." Yeah, because it's really hard for a closer to earn that second round price tag, even Class A. It's not like he, you know, Mm -hmm. what we we know for certain he's going to get fifty saves. He could get thirty. He could Mm -hmm. get fifty. Yeah, you were counting on the ratios and Ks, but even that, I mean. We've seen so many countless relievers burn out before and you just, you're getting fewer innings. So that that's why everybody is always so hesitant to pay that price. But at the same time, yeah, it's, it's the security that you're paying for there. And it's always the Mariano argument. If you use like every year with Mariano Rivera, if you use just a dollar value system and you use your projections, he was never worth quote unquote worth the price he was costing, but the return on investment was so solid, so locked in yeah. You had to give it a little bit of a boost there. That's right. And you're just, I feel like the way that way with class A, we'll see. I, I see some Rivera comparisons there with him where he just gets not a ton of strikeouts, but enough and a ton of ground balls and very little home runs, yep. very few walks. Um, anyways, I can see where you're just like, hey, my second round draft pick or my th- early third round draft pick in class A, it's not going to be great value, but it's not going to be terrible value. And it's going to set me up to not have to dig into this closer pool for the next 15 rounds, maybe for the sure. rest of my draft. And then I'll play the waiver wire. So, yeah. All right. Uh, Comment from Neil Orr. He was blown away by how bad, how bad the uh, 
ale catcher prices were. You know, he goes, it, it didn't realize it was ale only at first, but then he did, and he goes, still yuck. <laughs> so let's go through some of those catcher prices real quick. Were they? You expensive? spent on some. You spent on some catchers. I did. I, I'm, I'm feeling that remark. No, it's okay though. And keep in mind, it's also Towers is OBP, not batting average. Uh, so just keep that in mind too when you're looking at these. Uh, Cal Rally 15. Shea Langoliers, who's eligible at catcher in this because our Tout Wars, the league the games played requirement is 15, not 20. Langoliers is one of those few guys that benefits from that. Yasmani Grandal, because he walks a ton, is still 12 bucks. I got MJ Melendez and Christian Vasquez, 21 and 9. I, I kind of bet on the playing time a lot. Melendez qualifying at catcher, but not having to play there necessarily. I, that appeals to me. Sal Perez went for 21. Uh, Melendez also walks a ton, too, which I like. Uh, Jonah Heim, Eric Haas, eight apiece. Uh, you saw Podhorzer go cheap on his catchers. That 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 is a plan. Uh, Joe Sheehan went uh, Alejandro Kirk for nineteen. Uh, we saw Samelski, Eric Samelski, a rotoballer. Uh, he was cheap on his catchers too. Ryan Jeffers, Bo Nailers, uh, Rob Leibowitz, Danny Jansen for thirteen. Logan Ohapi for ten. We got some negative news on Ohapi later that day that he might begin the year in the minors. And then Andy went full on big spending at catcher. Dalton Varsho and Adley Rushman, 27 and 24 apiece. Reaction. I actually kind of like the top and then the bottom. I think I'm kind of, that's how I kind of was when I was doing the NL is like, I, I'm actually okay with Dalton Varsho at 27, like in an, in an AL to have a catcher. Because he runs, yep. He runs now. He's not, a, and then yeah. Now he's not a good OBP guy. I think I might just assume Rushman at twenty four because he's a little more. He walks. He's a little more yeah. of an OBP guy. I know it that helps Melendez, which I'm sure is part of your strategy, right? Sure. So you see Melendez and you see Sal Perez at the same amount, and in an in a regular roto league, you'd be like, that's insane, like because Perez is going several rounds before Melendez, but the o, the OBP thing swings it back. So that they're although I will say Melendez goes a pick 113 in the mains. It's not that preposterous. Um, you know, he, he goes more slightly more expensive than Alejandro Kirk and Sean Murphy and William Contreras. He's a top 10 catcher. Yeah. So even in about, batting average leagues. Yeah. He's about he's 41 picks in the main behind Perez. Yeah. Then in yours, he's he went even same price. Yeah. But for sure. But it's the it's the batting average like Perez isn't a walker. Or sorry, right. it's the it's the OBP Perez isn't a walker. Right. So I know the one dollar catchers are gross, but like I don't mind just taking Ma oh, Max Stassi could really hurt your OBP now that he's their number one catcher. Um, Jorge Alfaro he won't won't kill your OBP your OBP because he won't play enough. But actually, Reese McGuire at two, I don't mind that one either. Yeah. That one's By the way, um, how long does that Angels think situation flesh out like that? I was really surprised to see that because Ohapi was really good when he got called up last year. Yeah. He was really good in the, in the Angels minor league system after the trade too. Yeah, I think Ohapi's back up in somewhere in the first couple months of the season. It's just tough for Rob having spent 10 on him. Yeah. And now he's going to have to get another catcher. Or not. Or to basically take a zero. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Back to Stassi for a minute. He's that catch 22 that makes me not want to draft him where the more he plays – you need him. The more he plays, the more he'll get you counting stats, and the more he'll kill your OBP. For sure. And so, so, so when Ohapi comes back and Stassi starts playing last, you might breathe a sigh of relief and be like, "Oh, thank God, my OBP is thanking you for bringing Ohapi back." But like, you shouldn't want your catcher. I guess his career's two ninety five. That's bad for a catcher, but it's it's not like last year it was two sixty seven. But two ninety five in a career is. I don't know. It's not Eric Haas is 287. That's worse. So maybe yeah. I'm giving Stassi. Maybe I'm too hard on Stassi. Maybe. 
Maybe he's had his moments. Uh, yeah. They've been fleeting, yeah. but he, he has had his moments. So. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, let, let's spend the last part of the podcast talking about NFBC strategy. Uh, but first, quick note from our friends at Fantrax. Uh, Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering great the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Coming from another service, Fantrax makes it easy. Fantrax can import any of your current leagues and customize if needed. Fantrax offers the most in-depth player pool in the industry, including minor league players. Do you need a customizable commissioner service for your fantasy league? Fantrax offers more customization than any other platform. Waivers, category, scoring system, schedule. Fantrax offers custom solutions for all that and more, and it's all free. Sign up for free today and be entered to win an official MLB signed jersey from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. All all Fantrax users will also be entered in their MLB game day experience giveaway, which includes free tickets and $1,000 for travel and accommodations for you and your league mates. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. That's F-A-N-T-R-A-X dot com slash Rotowire. All right, here with Fred Zinke, the man in front of the doorknob. We are talking now, a little NFBC to finish this off. As alluded, I got uh, the nine slot in my uh, NFBC main event right next to former all-time champ Phil Dusso. Uh, not who, who didn't just win an overall. He won everything that year. Set records. Best season ever. I'm next to him. Awesome. I'm going to learn a lot. So I thought of this after I, after I saw your tweet about that. I thought... Okay, Jeff, if I could give you these two... Tr- now, NFBC main event leagues, you're going to have some tough competition. In, like, Oh, yeah, they're really all... really hard tough. to find a group of 15 where you're Especially like... Especially the oh. live drafts. Yeah, Right, absolutely. those live drafts. Where you're, it's hard to find a, a group of 15 where you're like, oh, I never really heard of those guys, right? So would you rather have Phil in your league picking right beside you or Phil not in your league, but you get your 15th choice on KDS? It's <laughs> a great question. Because I did get my first choice in KDS. That's and so did Phil, yeah. by the way. There you uh, go. He wanted to be 10. Great I wanted to be nine. Like. Yeah. Um, which makes me worried about what I'm gonna get in the second what, round. What was he, your 15th choice? Was it say, say like pick 15? No, uh okay. I uh it was not. Uh I think the last choice for me was like six or seven. Okay. Uh six, I think maybe. Um, because then you're not getting one of the top guys and you're there's a drop off in the second round, too. Okay. Um I think I'd rather just take my chances against Phil. And I know okay. that's just heresy. First of all, he's a nice guy. I'd have a fun conversation. Secondly, he can run on Lucky. He didn't win last Absolutely. year. Absolutely. Yep. He yep. is human. Yeah. Drago bleeds. Yeah. Um he, he won a lot, but he didn't win the main last year. So uh you know, he, he can run the, the gamut of bad luck like anybody else, right? Uh I think that, uh, and the thing is, I'm not so cocksure that I have the best spot or the 15th worst spot is the 15th worst spot. Right. Might be fine. Might just be just fine. Maybe I didn't want six and I get Kyle Tucker there and he becomes the best overall player in baseball. Possible. I think I would take, I think I would, I would punt Phil and take, take pick six. But that's kind of like my least favorite. But see, the thing is, uh, yeah. And I, I, I could see that. I could see that too. Um, yeah, so I, I, I see that. The thing is, though, like you say, punt Phil, but the next guy up is like, yeah. you want to be in John Statmiller's league? It's Do you want to be good. in? Yeah, for sure. Maybe they put you next to Mike the Mouth, and you can't under you can't concentrate. I mean, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, there, yeah, there's all sorts of reasons, you know, that to not want certain spots. And sometimes it's the quality of the player. Sometimes it's just, you, you know, your comfort zone, too. Yeah. Uh, or yeah. both. Yeah. You know, well, Mike's an awesome player, too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this because Mike's only, the only negative about being next to Mike is his mouth, although that is that's part of it. But um, but it's also and that's just poor Hemplo. Uh, it's not <laughs> saying it necessarily put me on tilt like that. But the fact is, he could. You know, it, it's something, you know, yeah. maybe you're next to some guy that just smokes, smokes like a chimney. And, you know, you, that that stench is bothersome the whole time. Maybe guy's got a horrible hangover and you don't want to be next to that guy. that reeks of booze. I mean, you know, there's lots of reasons not to want certain spots. Yeah, I mean, you don't want both of you reeking a booze. Like, that's just too much. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so your pick nine, which I think I, – I, oh, I'll also say, I think maybe I'd rather – I might rather have Phil before me than after me because now I'm assuming you pick nine because there's He's going to clean up guy. my mistakes. Is that what you're saying? No, I was going to say there's probably more than one. Nine's a bit of a like, like a pond at that point where there's a bunch of hitters who kind of go around nine all the time. Mm-hmm. Um. So, for example, I think I can go 14 deep, have all gone ninth in one of the nine main events. And then there's other guys like Tatis and Freeman and Machado who have gone 10th or 11th. So there's a large pool of players who you could consider at nine. So I don't think Phil can, like, kill you at pick nine. He could just take one guy. And then you get to pick again before Phil picks. So I I think if I was going to be – I think I might rather be one pick after him than one pick before him and – I wouldn't want. I'd rather pick before him in the second round. So, I will say, go. and I'm not going to say the players, but there are two players I'm targeting in round two. There you go. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. Don't tell me the players. I will not. I, I will, will not say, do it in a boat. I will not do it in a moat. <laughs> I will not tell you my two players in the round two. I, I will say that previewing pick nine. So in nine drafts so far, the big five plus Otani have gone before pick nine every time. So they'll probably be gone. Kyle Tucker's gone before pick nine. I bet every time but one, his ADP seven. So he's probably gone. Yeah, he has so, a max pick of 10. So that happens. Yeah, so he's time. probably gone. So you've got, you're, you're going to, so Phil can take one other or someone before you. He's going to take one other of Bichette, Witt, Soto, Burns, Cole, Betts, Guerrero. You can pick. And you Machado, have to Freeman. account for the fact that he's going to play in multiple mains. Yeah. Uh, Actually, yeah. so am I. Uh, so, so you can have you can have any one of the a little others. differently each time, but it'll be my first main. So I, you know, yeah, so I, I, I almost certainly going to take a hitter there. Uh, okay, I, I don't envision taking Burns or Cole or Strider there, but uh, yeah, stranger things have happened. Yeah, and then your round two, there's some really. If I just look at ADP, there's some really some really good hitters still there. Whether it's like Alonzo, Trout, Devers. Goldschmidt, Austin Riley could still be there. Maybe yep. Jordan Alvarez. And then if you want to go pitching, there's uh, like you can go go with the big YOLO pick of DeGrom or you can go with someone safe more like uh, like Nola. Uh, Nola. You could do the closer thing. Uh, Justin Verlander's really skyrocketed in the mains. Like his ADP is 26. Earlier in draft season, you could get him around pick 45. Like I know. Yeah, I know. It looks like, yeah, that, that dream of getting him at, at 39, like I got him at, you know, I got him at 38 in labor. Not happening so, now. So in the mains, he and Scherzer have leapfrogged. It's not about pitchers being moved up. He and Scherzer have leapfrogged, uh, you know, Al- Al- Alcantara, um, McClanahan, Woodruff. Like you were often seeing Verlander and Scherzer earlier in draft season behind those pitchers, or at least yeah. definitely behind Sandy and, and, and probably Woodruff and maybe more with McClanahan. So, but now they've kind of, at least so far in mains, they've gone ahead of them. So for some reason, the main event drafters like them more than the, the nothing's really changed. I sure was having a nice spring, but whatever. Like we already knew none of those good. guys will probably be available to me at 39 though. That's the interesting. No. Thing. Yes. If you don't take a, 
you just said a hitter in round one. So if you don't take a pitcher in round two, then in round three, you you hate Kevin Gosman this year, so he won't be. I'm, I'm warming up. Too many okay. smart people. He's having like a nice him. spring. That's the thing. You know, the thing is, I didn't like that he was the poster boy for we're going to enforce the Bach rule, but it seems like he's adjusted. Seems fine. Yeah. Um, I think uh, that you know, so, yeah, I I just you know when you like him, when Scott likes him, when other smart drafters you know, I, I, likes him. Yeah, yeah, I mean, a lot of smart people who know a lot about pitching like him. I should probably revisit it and. You know, he did have like one of the all-time worst BABIPs yep. ever. Uh, on a team where other pitchers had good BABIPs. So it wasn't yeah. like his, it was all a disaster. Seems like he was unlucky. Uh, and a team, a team that seems like defense. they've improved their defense, too. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, Christian Javier could be there. He's at yeah. his ADP's 38, so he could be there. Yeah, Luis Castillo will be there. I, I'm, I'm going to say I'm not locked into taking a pitcher in the third round, though, either. Right. Okay. And then yeah. somewhere in there in rounds four or five or somewhere, like we talked about earlier, you have to have closer plans. So yep. uh, in round four, there's, there's a bunch of closers around there. Romano, Devin Williams, some pitchers like that, Presley. And then round five, you're still, you're still in the hunt there for Kenley. If you wanted to go there or Duvall or something like that, or, and there's some starters around. Uh, round five, I'll, I'll, I will say this. I will not take Duvall in the fifth round. There you go. I, I have some reservations about him, uh, right. him. And I also have in, in the organization and Gabe Kapler. I don't feel gotcha. like getting get, getting Kapler. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, it's pretty early to get Kapler. 69. Uh, no. Uh, 99 maybe, but that won't get it done. So nope. uh, maybe I could, I guess I could see 82, but uh, I don't really want to do that. Um, I know. Round four is not bad. You still have the round four pick is like what early about around 50. And then. At that point, there's still yeah 22. I mean, 52. yeah, there's still Romano and Devin Williams and Ryan Presley and Helsley. So I mean, you have, you have a good amount of choice there to pick your favorite. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't know, but somewhere in there, somewhere in those first five or so picks that we just discussed, you probably need a reliever and probably need at least one starter. So. Is with the new rules, are you more or less inclined to get aces early? Um. I'd say neither. I'd say I'm still about the same. I do feel like this year's, my kind of stance has been that this year's pool of starting pitchers of, oh, sorry, of aces, I feel like is quite deep compared to some other years. And I don't feel like many pitchers stand out. Um, I know that pitching always gets pushed up in the main, but I'm actually a little surprised to see Burns and Cole both in the top 12. Um, I think I'm more of the mindset that I'll, depends on where I pick obviously, but I think I'd rather let someone else take the first, three or four pitchers and then I'll jump in at some point after that. Like I think even in the main, even with pitchers pushed up, I think I'd rather maybe let someone else take Burns or Cole and I'll get in on the Gosmans or the Christian Javier's or Shane Bieber or something like that. I I just feel like there's a pretty deep group of pitchers that I like. And I'd I'd like to get like two or three of them. The only problem and see, the only problem is like everybody likes to take pitchers in that five to seven range. Yep. Um, So that's, that's the, uh, the tricky part uh, is okay. Yeah, I can wait and get these these you know these these eight guys I like. Well, you might just get one of those guys, not two of them, certainly not three of them. Um, and that's the tricky part. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're you're getting probably one of those guys, and then you're then you're dropping down a bit. You're getting a Zach Gallon or yeah, Alec and the, and and your late picks too. You know, like oh, I have these these guys from one you know from one fifty to two hundred. I like ten of them. 
You might get one of those or two of those. And remember, yeah. you're passing up a good bat there. You're a full-time starter. In uh, a 15, The 15-team format really punishes every decision you make and takes away yeah. from you. I have always said that I think every fantasy draft is all about your pitching decisions because there are always hitters you can take. The, yep. hitters, the hitters get progressively worse as the draft goes on, but there are always, you can always find a hitter to take. So like, I think, I think your draft plan starts with where do I, where do I want to target a reliever or two? And where do I want to target my top three or four pitchers? And then you, and then you're just like, okay. And in all the other rounds, I'm going to draft hitters. So I think yeah. making that plan of whether you're going to be around two starting pitcher, around three starting pitcher, whatever it is for you. Um, I, I'll say that I've often drafted three pitchers, two starters and a closer in the top five and five rounds this year, but not in the first two rounds. Like I'll often get two hitters that are really, really good. Like how's it Jose Altuve in one league. And then mm-hmm. not that I'm upset about that. And then I'll, and then I'll go, you know, starter, starter, closer or starter, closer, starter, something like that. And get two pitchers that I really like, but maybe more in the Luis Castillo Gosman tier, you know, than, uh, than Garrett Cole. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I could see that yeah. uh, for sure. Um, you know, I, I, so, you know, Uncle Ted says fade all pitching and he could roll with these five pitchers. They're all great pitchers. Everybody likes them, though. I guarantee you, you would get two of those guys, three max. And other people are going to snipe those from you, too. That's my point. You know, if you can see it, I, I can see it. If I can see it, someone else can see it. Yeah, for sure. Like like Uncle Ted's list is is George Kirby, Logan Gilbert, Dustin May, uh, Drew Rasmussen, Hunter Brown. Like, like, I don't think, I think, I'm not going to go through it right now live, but I'm pretty sure if I profile picked out ADPs for all those pitchers, I don't think you can get all of them in the, in the main, like, mm-hmm. I don't think they're in five separate rounds, but I know what Ted's saying. Like maybe you could start your draft with four or five hitters and a closer and then go to that group of five starters. Right. Or maybe you could get four, maybe you get four of the five starters and that could certainly be a plan for someone. They're but you have start- to start 14 hitters too. Let's yep, don't, for don't sure. forget that. So you can you start could- your draft with those hitters. Yeah, but you got to keep getting some more of those too. And yeah. if you're, you could go, you could go four hitters, then maybe a closer, then four of those pitchers, and now in round going into round ten, you have five pitchers and four only four hitters, but your four hitters are your four big biggest values. So I think it's an interesting play. It's, it's a plan. plan. Yeah. I, I've never, I've never, not just shoot holes in that one, but I've never been able. So he said draft hitters and stream pitchers, which you can do in a shallower league. You can't do that in the fifteen teams in the NFBC, there aren't any, there aren't any pitchers on the waiver wire really. And, to stream and, and in the your NFBC. opponents are also streaming and they're too. so smart and they're so good yeah. at targeting. You're like, Oh, I'll grab this one guy. He plays the Reds. I got him a week ago. What? He plays, yeah. He plays the Reds this week, this week. Oh, someone, you're right. Someone sharp got him a week ago. So streaming pitchers in the 15 is just really tough. Starters in the 15 yep. is just really tough. And uh, yeah, that's why I'm, I've kind of feel like I want to get two or three starters that I like. I, I really like Ted's Rasmussen. I think I have him on every team. I think he's my SP probably four on every team. Yep. I do. T- I like, I like Rasmussen. I really yep. like Jeffrey Springs. Yeah. So does everybody I have else. him on a team? Yeah. yeah. He, he, Rasmussen would be my SP three or four on every team for sure. Yeah. So, but like you said, so do a lot of people. So Rasmussen now I've been taking him in round 10 or 11 in the main, he's going in like round eight no, yeah. or eight or nine. I think 129 nine. is it? Yeah, I, I have him highlighted right now. 129. Yeah, round nine, so. And teammate Jeffrey Springs is 130. So guess what? Mm-hmm. You're getting one of those guys. You're not getting both of those guys. If And you, you might have to push them up. 
too. Rasmussen yeah. has a early pick of 104. Springs is 110. So, yeah. 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 So, like I said, make if you if you want one of them, make a plan. You know, I like you're getting them either early in round nine or late in round eight. If you don't pick till late in round nine, or you're crossing your fingers, or add another guy in that you're willing to take if you want to wait till late in round nine. But make a pitching plan, and then just fill in your hitters around it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Um, and you know, we'll we'll see. I mean, I I like some of these names that are being thrown out late too, and we'll get some of those too because we're gonna need. You know, you're not going to need nine pitchers. You're going to need 13 pitchers. You're going to need lots of pitchers over the course of the season. So I've been trying to, I've been trying this year in my, after last year's experience, I've been trying in my fifteens to draft a lot of starting pitchers. Yeah. I've been trying to draft a good, like, like about a dozen of them. I'd rather, yeah, you'd rather draft them than try to stream them. I, I agree with you on that. I haven't been grabbing a ton of relievers enough, like, like two for my lineup or three for my lineup. Uh, but I haven't been doing a lot of, I did grab like Brad box further in the last box burger in the last round of a of 15 recently. But in general, I've been grabbing some pitchers, even if it's just like an Adam Wayne, right in round 26, just to have starting pitchers. Cause once yeah. they start falling off, like, I don't think Wainwright's going to be that good this year. Maybe he'll be terrible. I'll have to drop him. But if he's not terrible, he's going to start all year. Yeah. And so, Wayno and Michaelis were that way last year and both were profitable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think we're going to leave on that note. Anything else you want to add? No, I think uh, I'll be excited to watch the uh, to watch the results from these main event drafts coming in the next weekend. And first fab coming up for all of us Sunday early night. drafters on Sunday night. I've yep. already been looking a little bit at our labor fab, just trying to remember some of the names that we were not interested in uh, way back earlier in the season. So we will quickly switch from fab to, uh, or sorry, from drafts to fab. And that's what makes this whole thing so interesting. Yep, exactly. When we next talk, we will be about 48 hours from opening day. Exactly, exactly. All right, thanks, everybody. Great comments. Thank, Great interaction. Appreciate you on that. Uh, thanks for tuning in. And those of you who are listening later and after the fact, thank you for listening wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks to uh, the under, to Underdog and Fantrax for their season, uh, draft season-long sponsorship. Appreciate you as well. Take care. <laughs>